You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Inching, inching, and I mean inching, towards more optimism each and every single day. Still not 100% sure who I'm going to officially pick to win the game. It's so nerve-wracking because, you know, what what I think is going to happen regardless of who wins, it's going to be tight and it's going to be pressure-filled. It's it's going to be awesome and horrible all at once. Um, I feel like I should make a tight and pressure pressure field joke somewhere in there, but I wasn't sure where to go with it, so I'll just let it go. Um, but you're right, and I'll tell you something, Jimmy. Something that came out that gives me optimism, but also makes me. You ever had things happen where you're like, "Hey, it feels like." that should make me feel better, but it makes me feel worse kind of thing. <laughs> the the, yeah. the spread is Alabama favored by six or five and a half or six and a half, depending on which bookie you go to. Um, and man, that seems high to me. I swear I was thinking it was going to be a pick em. If anything, I thought Georgia may be a slight favorite because of uh, the, the performances on, from Saturday alone. Uh I don't know. Vegas is such a pro Alabama bunch. <laughs> I, I, I don't know that I expected six and a half or whatever that initial line was, but uh, Alabama hasn't been an underdog in a long time. And Georgia, I, I think there's a lot of non-believers in Stetson Bennett. Uh, you know, so I, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not surprised myself uh, at the line so much. Uh, I think Alabama gets a few. We that's that's just another area where it's just a fact we get a Bama bump. Yeah, and that's not a Bama bump. Bama fans really won't necessarily because Bama fans are going to bet on Bama. No, I mean it's kind of like uh, you know you be a yellow dog Democrat or a or a, a Trumper. I mean you're going to vote for Trump or you're going to vote for Biden. It doesn't. Or you're going to vote for if they put a flaming bag of dog poop up there if it had Republican or Democrat. You know what I mean? Sometimes yeah. you're just going to do some Bama fans are going to bet on Bama, period. So they know they can kind of put the line wherever. Um, and maybe that's true of other yeah. fan bases. I don't know. I just know it's pretty damn sure. I'm pretty sure it's Alabama because I used to be that guy. Um, and I'd always talk myself into it, too, with some dumbass uh, reasoning like, you know, I think Gene Stallings is really going to open it up this week. Yeah, he, yeah, I think he, a lot he, of the name, a lot of the name teams get that because a lot of amateurs in Vegas that wander into the sports books, you know, they just want to place a sports bet and they, they see Alabama and they're like, oh well, you know, they're good, and see, yeah. you know, USC or Penn State or Texas, you know, whatever, whatever, a, you know, a big brand name is, uh, I'm sure they all get some sort of an artificial slight bump because there's going to be so much money going on those big schools. Like you said, with big fan bases, fans that bet on the team every week. But, hell, one thing I know, we we both know Alabama enough to where, unless you just got money to throw away, I wouldn't bet on Alabama every week with the, with the line. Because sometimes, like I said, me and you both, we look at the line and go, what? But, but uh, this week, 
you know, to be honest, six and a half, you know, my initial inclination is, of course, it'd be crazy not to bet Georgia, but man, you get down to two or three. I don't know if I'm going to bet against Alabama. I, and that, that's one of my reasons for optimism. I mean, it's Nick Saban. Nothing, nothing's changed. It's Nick Saban. And, you know, we lost to Ole Miss one year, 2015. We lost the game to Ole Miss. And then the next week went to Athens. We were an underdog in that game. Yes, right. Because we had lost to Ole Miss. And we crushed Georgia. So, you know, and it's partly that that sequence that, that's given me some optimism, but mostly it's just the presence of Nick Saban. Yeah, it sure would be nice if we had Reuben Foster, Reggie Raglan, Eddie Jackson, uh, Jonathan Allen, then some guys like that, because frankly, I've listened to this, some of these press conferences, and it sounds like our defense is deciding to take this tactic when it comes to uh, how the how the defensive effort was this last weekend. I just had to use another. <laughs> I just had to use another sound effect. And I, I Millie Vanilli. Millie this. Vanilli. Millie Vanilli. I know. I was like, you know, because I was listening to DJ Dale, and he was like, he said something about, I think our effort was there. We just got to play smarter. And I'm like, no, you just. There, there were. I will say this: there were times when the effort did seem to be there. Now, the playing smarter thing is a no-brainer, uh, no pun intended. But the the effort um, was there from time to time. You just got to tackle a dude. I mean, there were yep. multiple times when Alabama had a sack, and the yep. guy just slipped right out of his hands. And those sacks, how many times did we? And, and really, not so much this group so far, but usually a sack or a tackle for loss is a drive killer especially against an Alabama, you know, and, and, and we repeatedly let them off the hook with the poor tackling. And, and, you know, it's for any number of reasons uh, for every reason it's been in the history of football that, that you didn't tackle well in a game. It's not, not anything uh, new there. I mean, it's just poor angles. It could be footing. It could be the wetness. It could just be an off night. Usually I think bad tackling has to do with poor feet. I mean, uh, you know, you, you have to be in a proper position to make the tackle. You can't just be reaching and say it's a missed tackle because you're not going to get SEC players to the ground if all you're doing is reaching or grabbing. Uh, you've got to to wrap up and, and, and use your fundamentals, and, and that means having your feet in the right place at the right time. So I, here, here's another thing, kind of one of the main points I, I want to make in this show is – I fully realize Ole Miss was a disaster. Hell, I was one tweeting that it was the worst defensive performance in Alabama football school history, and I still believe that. But it was the third game we played, not the first game. If that was game number one, and that's what I'd seen of this defense, I would be like, oh, no. (laughs) But it's not. It's game three. I've already seen us beat. I've already seen us play okay defensively against a top 10 team. Texas A&M's back in the top 10. Our defense beat them. Uh, I saw our defense look fairly impressive against the Missouri team that just ran up and down the field on LSU. So uh, we've seen three looks on our defense. Only one has been disastrous. The other two were okay to pretty good. So I'm not just assuming the last look at our defense is just the verdict. I mean, uh, it's going to be a different team week to week. 
Let me tell, tell everybody about Built Go. It is the solution to breaking through your wall. And we all have that wall, whether it's at work or you're during a workout or you got to listen to your spouse uh, tell about their day. And you're like, I, I'm going to fall asleep right in the middle of this. You've got to take some Built Go so you can get through it. That's what marriage is all about, taking Built Go. Um, you need to check it out at, at uh, BuiltGo.com. Uh, go there as quickly as possible. It works so well because it combines energy gel with collagen protein. There are three delicious flavors. this peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. And Jimmy, I can say uh, definitively, I did the chocolate mint this weekend right before I went to work out. And it was awesome. It really did. It, it helped me. And it, it tastes good. And you do. You just, you just sort of, it's just like a little liquidy, like melted chocolate kind of thing. And you just you're done with it real quick, and it and it seemed to take effect almost instantly. It's better than a five hour energy. Um, it's it's got protein in it, so it, it, it that helps when you're working out, etc. Go check out builtgo.com. It's loaded with good stuff to ignite your work. Beta alanine, B three, honey, a kick of caffeine, not too much caffeine, just a little kick. And the collagen in there promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. This stuff literally makes you look better. Go to builtgo.com. Okay, Jimmy. So um, feel free to continue. You said you had, you wanted to rant. I mean, just because of the, ba- you know, I don't know what it is about football. I think fans are like this more in football than they are in basketball and baseball, but definitely football. It's kind of like they take a look at you and then think that's what you are. You know, this one game, this one quarter, this one half, this one possession, but it's college football. These kids change week to week. Uh, Alabama's defense is not the defense you saw against Ole Miss. It's also the defense you saw against Missouri and Texas A&M. I don't recall too many fire Pete Golding Twitter accounts and T-shirts for sale after the Missouri game. Now, Ole Miss was different. I fully realized the extent of the disaster. I assure you Nick Saban does. I, I'm, I'm just saying we, I would feel worse if that was game number one and that's all I'd seen of this defense, uh, I, I really don't I really don't think we're as bad as we looked. I think at some point this year we'll play our best game defensively. And that doesn't mean we're as good as we are on our best night either. There's there's gonna be best nights and there's gonna be worse nights. Let's all hope that was the worst night. I mean, no doubt. I mean that that has to be the worst night. I mean I would hope that- so. We talk about that every podcast. I think you came up with this little saying that you play your best game a couple times a year, you play your worst game a couple times a year, and everything in between is what you are. So I'm hoping we chalk this up as one of our worst games. And, again, I don't want to make excuses for this. I really don't because it just stunk. I mean, I've tried to watch the replay a couple of times, and Ole Miss's um, ability to just shred us it takes away from my, the joy of my watching our offensive performance. And Mac Jones played even better than I thought he did. I mean, that's pretty unbelievable. Um, but yeah, this has to be one of the worst. And there was, you know, it was wet, which leads to, you know, with some missed tackles and footing and blah, blah, blah. And uh, we were facing maybe the greatest offensive mind in college football. I mean, I don't think I'm going crazy saying that. He is, for all of his faults, in terms of of an offensive genius, he's it. So um, 
I just wish, I do wish we hadn't said anything about the stealing signals thing. That's so stupid. I know Saban clarified it um, by saying, look, uh, it was more like I was saying, it seems like they were stealing our signals because they knew what we were doing or knew what we were going to do. And no matter, just don't try and explain it. Just, just move on, you know, just let it go. I mean, it's not that big of a deal if you just let it go. Um, So who do you think needs to have, the big offense or defense who needs to have the biggest game this upcoming weekend uh, I have a quick answer for that to, to me it's almost inarguable Dylan Moses uh D- Dylan uh is a really good prospect he's a really good player uh missed almost all of last year we should have expected some level of rust uh we should have even expected some level of hesitancy uh as he tries to protect his knee for his pro future that that's that's all fair but we saw Dylan play, I thought, really well against Missouri and fairly well against Texas A&M. He was really bad against Ole Miss the other night. And I've seen Dylan play enough to know that's just not who Dylan is. So I think, I think Dylan has to, to, to fix a, a one-week perception of himself. I mean, this is, this is it for him. He's going to go pro when this year is over, even though he would have – another year of eligibility well technically you'd have two more years of eligibility now uh but but now he he he, uh barring uh another injury he's certainly going to go pro this is his pro audition he's playing uh, on a big stage with everybody watching against a team that's going to run the ball between the tackles dylan that's coming at you man and uh I, i think it's dylan moses and and i would also like to see dylan not only play well but sort of assert some more authority and uh, and just, just be providing a little more leadership out there. I think that's certainly a good answer. Um, boy, that really stole my thunder because that's who I was going to take, and I didn't think you were going to. <laughs> well, that's what I thought that was the answer. <laughs> at, yeah, least, at least you know there, there, there's an answer to that, I mean, to me. But there's, um, others, there's others you could argue, but I think we, we both know that, that it starts there. Yeah, I don't think that there's any doubt it starts there. And, uh, you know, of course, the other obvious answer is Matt Jones. Um, he needs to have a, a pretty unbelievable game himself. And this is going to be – I mean, this will be the toughest defense he's faced, period, right? I mean, yes, Auburn last year, even though they had a couple of first-round or, or close to it first-round draft picks, I, I mean, I still think this Georgia defense is better than that Auburn defense, yeah, right? I would argue Michigan was probably the best defense he faced last year. Probably really? Michigan. Yeah, they have a lot of dudes. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of NFL dudes, and uh, they were ranked really high nationally in total defense. And I would say Michigan, but Auburn was definitely the toughest environment. I mean, Saturday night's going to be a tough environment in the sense that you got to play Georgia, but it, it's not like being on the road in, in a full stadium at Auburn. But uh, I agree with you, your original point, dead on. I mean, this is the best. This is better than Michigan last year, better than Auburn last year, uh, better than anybody we faced this year. Uh, so that makes it by definition the toughest defense Mac Jones has played against in his life. And everybody's watching. And let's see how he handles that level of pressure. I mean, one thing about this game is our, our guys are used to playing on TV. They're used to the spotlight and the media and ESPN game day. That's not new to them. But uh, it, it's got to be hard to dismiss that from your brain that, holy crap, we're on primetime CBS television and, and this is getting borderline NFL ratings on TV. 
I mean, mm-hmm. everybody's watching, and everybody in college football is watching this. And if Mac is going to take a lead in the Heisman race, it, it would be because of how he plays Saturday night. It's 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 kind of an, an ultimate Heisman test. I don't think he can lose it Saturday night, but he can certainly win it. Um, so yeah, there's 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 that kind of pressure on Mac, but even more so than that, I think the offense realizes that they got to sort of carry the water for the team. And even though they're playing against an elite defense, don't you think the offense has to tell themselves, man, we got to put up some points or we're not going to win? Well, that's that's the thing. I mean, there are a couple other streaks on the line, just like there were streaks on the line last week about the Saban and assistants and unranked teams and, and scoring 35 points in a game, all those streaks. Well, two of those three streaks are still alive. Um, you know, well, I guess you could say it's three of three streaks because we have such a streak against Georgia in terms of winning. And, um, you know, it's going to be Saban against an assistant. Can Saban score – can this team score 35 points against this pretty formidable defense? Um, and here's something uh, Hunter Johnson, I'll give him credit for this, he pointed out. I don't – we hadn't beaten Georgia in our home uniform since 1994. Huh. Weird, huh? Yeah. God, game seems like a long time ago, though I remember it well. Uh, wow, that's quite the uh, that's quite the observation by uh, by Alabama's biggest golf fan. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about it. Uh, Jimmy, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about some of the Alabama players in the NFL. Okay, so another big weekend for the Tide alums in the NFL, Jimmy. I don't know if you got to watch the. Um, Raiders and Chiefs game, but the Raiders got the best of the Chiefs. It was a lot of fun. And uh, Josh Jacobs had a couple of touchdowns uh, in the fourth quarter alone. He had 41 yards on 10 carries. Um, And then Henry Ruggs, two huge catches, one really showing off his athleticism and the other one showing off his speed for a touchdown, for his first touchdown in the NFL. That's awesome. I mean, uh, really awesome and uh, cool that uh, the Raiders are sort of a resurgent team. So a, a team that everybody's got their eye on in terms of, wow, it's been a long time that the Raiders are headed to the playoffs and uh, literally leading the charge or a couple of bammers. I even saw a clip of David Carr saying roll tied to Henry Ruggs on the sidelines. That's right. Um, then Derek uh, Carr. I call him David Carr all the time. Yeah, I mean, they're brothers. I get it. Yeah. I um, guess that's an understandable faux pas. Yeah. That's that's a that's a that's a forgivable screw up. Um, the one thing I hate, and I'm not a big fan of the Washington football team. I mean, I just never grew up right. liking them very much. I don't like the NFC East much, really. Um, but the Washington obviously has the most Alabama players on the team, and they just kind of they're just not a good team. They just don't have any lead. They don't have a quarterback. So if you don't have a quarterback in the NFL, you're doomed. But um, so I hate to see that this team's doing so poorly with so many Alabama guys. But Landon Collins had 10 tackles for him. Uh, Ryan Anderson played, no stats. Jonathan Allen, um, eight tackles. Deron Payne, four tackles. Um, Cam Sims uh, made two tackles on special teams. Uh, Sean Dion Hamilton played but didn't record any stats. And Terrell Lewis played and didn't have any stats. Terrell Lewis making his NFL uh, debut. But uh, that game wasn't the prettiest uh, game to watch. I caught a little bit of it. Then – Pittsburgh, Minka Fitzpatrick, five tackles. Um, they played Philadelphia. It was good to see Jalen Hurts complete his first NFL pass. Um, Arizona Cardinals, Kenyon Drake, only 60 yards rushing uh, and a touchdown. So he, he did score. So that's good. Drake or Patrick, uh, 
played and he broke up a pass and had a tackle. Deontay Thompson made four tackles and broke up a pass. And Quinnen Williams uh, made three tackles and then missed some time because of a knee injury. I hate seeing that Quinnen Williams apparently is kind of injury prone. He uh, has been banged up a few times. And, you know, the Jets team that I've watched this year, uh, I think all 53 of them are injury prone in the sense they must be playing hurt to be this bad. Yeah. They're terrible. They're terrible. Uh, I, I think one of the th- – I mean, I think they're a real threat in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. And I'll tell you how they might get rich, that 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 program there. If, I, if I'm them, this is what I'm th- – you know, Sam Darnold hasn't been bad. He just plays on a bad team. I think Sam Darnold shows most weeks that he's a deserving NFL starter. I wonder I wonder if, if the Jets end up with that first pick uh, and they'd be crazy not to draft Trevor – uh, I wonder what they'd get for Darnold on the trade market. But it seems to me if you have your first pick and then you trade, could they get a first round pick if they trade Darnold? Maybe a second and a third. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the, the Jets yeah. would be in a unique position of, well, we're going to take the once in a lifetime generational quarterback. But this guy we have has some real value. Uh, I, I would think they could get a good, a good deal for Darnold who, who's, Pretty impressive to me on a bad team. I know every single time I've watched him play a lot, every time I watch him, I'm like, man, Darnold's pretty good. Yeah, he's not bad. I don't think they could get – if they do get a first-rounder, it'd be somebody like a contender with a hurt player, maybe like the Cowboys or something. Right. I, I, I hesitate to put them in as a contender because they really aren't that good. That old division sucks goobs. No, but, but I mean, um, maybe uh, – maybe I mean, who, I mean, a lot of quarterbacks are cycling out, like Breeze and – Rodgers and, and guys like that. Maybe Darnold, you know, goes to them for a first-round pick. I, I don't know. Yeah, now I know that uh, Green Bay drafted the Jordan Love kid. Right, so now right. They do that. But, um, you know, I, that's what I think. And the thing about the NFL is guys like to – it's like Jerry Seinfeld said about men and TV. We don't care what's on TV. We care what else is on TV. Um, so that's why we're always flipping the channels. And that's how the NFL is about draft picks. They're like – Okay, we don't care necessarily what he is. We care about who we can draft and their potential. Like they always see a higher ceiling in whoever they can draft than the guy that's got a lot of talent sitting right in front of them. It's almost like the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Um, And so that's why they value those draft picks so much. But uh, moving on, uh, the Ravens, you know, they also have a ton of Alabama players. And Marlon Humphrey is bucking for NFL defensive player of the year. Um, he caused another fumble, which led to Patrick Queen uh, scoop and score. He's bucking for rookie of the year. Patrick Queen is. So, I mean, the, the Ravens just draft so damn well. They're just, they so- do, they do. Even uh, when they change regimes. Yeah. How about well, this? I, mean, I like, I like, I like John Harbaugh as a, a, a late in life college coach that does well. That would yeah. not surprise me at all. If John Harbaugh, retires as a college football head coach and stuff. He's really good. I'm just saying you're exactly right. He, that, that That's a good organization right there. And uh, then Dalvin Tomlinson of the Giants, he ended up with a sack, um, had a couple tackles for a loss. Man, I don't know if you saw Dak Prescott, but prayers up literally for Dak Prescott in that ankle. Um, oh, that was so horrible to see. And on top of that, he's on my fantasy team and he was kicking ass every week for me. But – and I, it was such a bad look, and I know this was just happenstance, the way the timing was. 
but Tony Romo saying, you got to hope it's just a cramp. And soon as he says that, like they flash the screen to the ankle, which is literally pointing in some other direction, you know, it's not, it's, it's disgusting. And he was like, okay, not so much a cramp. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm not sure Romo is going to be my doctor. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think that leg's going to have to go. Yes, but I came in because I was having blurry vision. Cramp. I I'm think that leg's going to have to go. <laughs> My leg is uh, in the shape of a Z, Doc. I think it's a cramp. Um, Ronnie Harrison, pick six. How about that? Um, for the Browns, that was pretty badass. Against uh, Alabama native Phillip Rivers, too. Um, yep, yep. Jaron Reed, he continues to look good. Four tackles good and one behind the line of scrimmage. And then Irv Smith, four catches for 64 yards. That doesn't sound great, but yeah, time, he yeah. has not been playing that well, and they finally gave him a shot. And four catches for 64 yards at Seattle is pretty strong. So uh, I thought he looked pretty doggone good. I, w- I was happy to see him because I think he can – once he gets it together, he probably needed one more year in college. He yeah, really did. I, yeah, I agree. Um, I think he could have – I think he could have come back and been kind of a slam dunk first round pick, really. But uh, but that's fine. I mean, you know, if you're if you're a day two selection, I can yeah. get grumpy about it. But but you know, if you're a day two selection, they're going to invest enough money in you to give you chance after chance after chance to stay on the roster. So good for Irv and uh, man, good for Jaron Reed. He might win a Super Bowl this year. Uh, I'm I'm really impressed by the Seahawks. And, and to me, there I, I just I just feel like this might be Russell Wilson's year you know, that he's league MVP and Super Bowl champion. Uh, that That's not going to surprise me. Um, And just really quickly before we go, I know LSU lost this weekend. I know they don't look that good. But my kingdom for a Rick Gilbert. Oh, my God, Jimmy, that guy is a freak as the way. He is – I think if Kyle Pitts wasn't in this league, he's the yeah. best tight end in this league. Yeah, Uh yeah, I mean, I, w- I would like to 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 read like some in depth thing about how he's doing at the line of scrimmage, you know, in terms of, of blocking. But as a receiving threat, I agree with you one hundred percent. Only Kyle Pitts is better, but Kyle Pitts is better than probably every tight end in the world, not named George Kittle. I mean, Pitts is unbelievable, but Eric Gilbert is right there with him, and uh, he will be a worthy inheritor for the next two years of the Kyle Pitts crown. Uh, I think Kyle Pitts will be the highest drafted tight end. And I, I don't know who the highest drafted tight end is. I just know Pitts is about to beat it. Uh, and then Gilbert coming right behind him is literally like right behind him two years. So, oh, there's going to be some dominant tight ends in this league. Yeah, I think that Gilbert actually, if if he if he were draft eligible this year, I think he'd go hey, in the oh, second yeah. Oh, I, I, I could not agree more, which is more amazing considering he's a lot of scrimmage guy, not just a flat out skill guy. But no, he's he and would we he's all just we had him. he's just one of those six stars that was born to play on Sundays. I mean, he, he might he could skip call. I mean, that, that's just a pro football player. Uh, he was just designed uh, designed by by the Lord to play on Sundays. And And we thought we had him. I mean, we did. We thought we, we had, had a lead for him for quite some time. God, can you? I mean, how much world? I mean, uh, I mean, it's hard for our offense to get much more explosive. But right. my God, Gertie! I mean, anyway, I, I just I hate you know you, you can do the what if game with so many recruits, but sure, 
Oh, my gosh, that guy. Uh, we did get to pick up a crystal ball for Shamar Turner, the defensive end out of Texas, which is a good Love thing. him. Love, Love him. Ball. Great, great, great player. I mean, great. And God knows we need to get better on defense. Yeah. I, uh, all of a sudden, I'm like, I don't care who's left on our board. I want them all to be defensive players. And I want one of them to be extra mean. You know, Shamar just Turner would be a great pickup late. Shamar, just Shamar and Jaquincy McKinstry, you know, a pass rusher and a corner. Oh, that, that would, that would just kind of like be a nice band aid in the next couple of weeks if that could somehow happen. I agree with you. All right, buddy. Well, we're going to try and get the locked on dogs guys to join us for a podcast sometime this week. Uh, we only got two podcasts left, so it's got to be quick. But um, we're going to try and do that. And uh, appreciate everybody listening. Here's the thing, everybody. Um, I've seen uh, a couple of folks do some more comments via the Twitterverse. Feel free to tweet at Jimmy or me or at Locked on Bama. We'd love to hear from you. Please listen and share. Please go visit Built Go and Rock Auto and Built Bar, all those folks. Um, we truly, truly, truly appreciate all the folks who have joined us and started listening. And um, it's a lot of fun to do this. I promise you, look, Jimmy and I are not making a living doing this. Okay. Don't think that this is like Luke and Jimmy are rolling in money doing this. No, we do this because we like to talk Alabama football all the time. And um, we, it's just a, a, an outlet for us to either get happiness or frustration out of our system. And uh, we appreciate you guys for taking the time to listen to us. Please listen and share and spread the word and, and buy some stuff we peddle. Roll Tide. <laughs> roll Tide. Thanks for thanks for helping me out with the selling <laughs> job. I thought, I thought Roll Tide was the right way to sum that up. It's kind of like that ESPN commercial, the Roll Tide commercial. That's, that's pretty know, good. Roll Tide is like what you say in, in like every instance. It, it's kind of like aloha. It means hello and goodbye. And uh, I, thought it, I thought it just sort of summed up that uh that eloquent uh moving emotional speech if that's listen this is your lie you can tell it the way you want to um (laughs) all right buddy roll dad roll dad